Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. On this show, the team of experts from Bright Horizons College Coach aim to demystify college admissions and finance. From choosing the right college, developing a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and more. Each episode will help guide your family through the various steps of the process. Now, here is your host. Good afternoon and welcome to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. It is April 8th and decisions are out. All the decisions finally are out, which is exciting. It was delayed this year because of the huge influx of applications. Um, You may be wondering how you're going to decide amongst your choices. Well, we have some advice. We're going to get to that a little bit later in the show. But first... Did you know that there are 221 Catholic colleges and universities in the United States and they serve almost a quarter of a million students? I did not know that, actually. I did a little bit of research before today's podcast. We're going to take a closer look at Catholic colleges today. Um, We're going to look at them from a financial perspective. But before we get to that, we're going to look at them a little bit more from the admissions perspective. And joining me for that is my colleague, Lisa Albro, who's a former admissions officer at Goucher College but also happened to be a college counselor at Xavier High School, which coincidentally or not (laughs) is a Catholic high school. And uh, so Lisa has a really broad uh, depth of understanding of the Catholic schools because she's worked with so many students applying to those. Um, Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks. Good to be here. Absolutely. Happy to have you here. Um, Okay. Really my First question for you, I just shared there are 221 Catholic schools uh, out there. Are they all alike? In your opinion? <laughs> no, no, they're not. And actually, I think there are 221 or 227 that are that are uh, d- degree granting, I believe. Mm. But there are actually more that aren't degree granting too. So, but but I think the ones we want to mainly talk about are the ones kids are mainly focusing on going for a four year mostly a four-year degree or a two-year degree, and those are the ones we want to talk about. And about 210 of those actually grant graduate degrees as well, by the way. I just wanted to grow that out there. So yeah, but they're not all alike. Some are very religious and some are not very religious at all. In fact, they almost seem more secular in some ways, except for the fact that maybe there might be crucifixes in the classroom or perhaps priests are religious teaching some of the classes, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's, it's not, um, n- not a place where you would be expected to take, say, theology courses if right. you were a student there. What are some examples? Of, so when I think of those that are almost secular, I think of a Georgetown, um, maybe Boston College, although I still, I think of Boston College as being somewhat Catholic, but then welcoming all kinds of religions. So maybe a little bit more secular, um, maybe right. Villanova. I'm just curious if your thoughts about others that, from your perspective, feel maybe a little bit more secular than Catholic. Uh, yeah, I would agree. So you do send, tend to have, and 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 just to specify, so there are different orders of Catholic colleges. So different orders of the religion founded some of the educational institutions. And so when we're talking about a Georgetown or a Boston College, uh, for example, those are Jesuit institutions, and there are 27 of those around the country. And what they embrace is the Jesuit perspective on education, on life. It's uh, it's about finding God in all things. That's that's one of the the tenets of the Jesuit component of the faith. So they're Catholic, but that's their focus. Um, So yes, to your point, I think Georgetown tends to be, yes, it it has a religious component to it, but there are a lot of students who go to Georgetown who are not Catholic and do not practice or or maybe who are non-practicing Catholics. I actually have a friend who is Jewish who attended Georgetown and was very comfortable there, didn't feel that there was any problem for her not practicing the faith, being a member of that community because she felt very welcomed. And I think that's the important thing to think about is that, you know, Catholic schools embrace the focus of uh, inclusivity, of, you know, honoring all human people, mm-hmm. <laughs> human, human individuals, um, and, you know, honoring, you know, the, their right to, to learn, to exist, uh, and finding ways for them to all coexist in spite of the fact that maybe they're from different faiths and different backgrounds. 
Right. I think those are often schools where, you know, where I say, I know you're not looking for a religious school. I think that here your focus is going to be on academics and not on religion. And if you are going to do religion there, it doesn't have to be Catholic, right? You can take courses in other things that are religion related, but they don't necessarily have to be Catholic. Precisely. Um, what, from your perspective, um, what are they, what are Catholic schools looking for in terms of, you know, just everything that they would look for in uh, in a successful admitted student? Sure. I, I don't think it's much different from what pretty much all other schools are looking for, yeah. right? They, they want students. They want students who are going to come to their campus and participate in activities in, in the life of the campus, uh, who are coming with their own interests and visions and accomplishments and goals as well. And so I can't say that there's anything really different that a Catholic college would look at than another, although there are some that do value uh, maybe in a little bit different way um, mm-hmm. applicants from, say, Catholic high schools, right, that they might actually even have some scholarships or some incentives for students from Catholic high schools who are applying in. But that doesn't mean that they're they're going to always give preference, you know, if they've got a perfectly qualified candidate who's who's coming from a public high school who doesn't have a Catholic background, that they'll be looking at that too, because they also want the diversity of different experiences right. on their on their campuses. But certainly they want students who want to come and learn and who want to bring their gifts and their talents to campus and to share it with those on the campus as well. Um, you know, I can't say that there's any other stipulation. Some schools will be more selective than others. And I know you mentioned Georgetown earlier, and that's definitely a, a one I want to talk about. It's actually the first Catholic college in, in the whole country, uh, but it's probably the most selective of them all, mm-hmm. just about, although, you know, Notre Dame is right up there too, yep. right? Giving them a run for their money. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Giving them a run for their money. And then Boston College is is rather selective too. So those are three that are kind of way up on that on that high level of selectivity. Uh, but, but they span the gamut, just like any colleges will. Mm-hmm. And so there are going to be places for all kinds of students to land uh, depending on you know what their academic qualifications are and whether they have whether their test scores are being considered <laughs> yes first of all and whether they have the test scores that that would help them and then whether they have the extracurricular profiles and so on and so forth um, so it's really not that different from pretty much most other schools when we talk about you know what they're looking for one one question I have for you so um we talk a lot on the show in different ways and at different times about getting involved outside of the classroom. And for me, there is a persistent myth that schools, colleges really require and really value community service. And what I always say is that community service is never a bad thing. If you are out there getting involved and helping in your community, that's wonderful. But that it isn't the be all end all. And that if that isn't, if you are doing other things, then it's not like you need to make sure you check that box. What's your sense about a Catholic school's perspective on the service piece? It's not a requirement. It's not a requirement for Mm -hmm. admission, but certainly just like every college, they do value it. I wouldn't say they value it higher than other ways that students might be involved. So my advice to a student applying to a Catholic college is basically the same as, as to just about every other college, that if this is something that you do and you're inclined to do and you want to do service in some way, Absolutely. That's a wonderful thing. And like you say, it's never a bad thing. It's always a good thing, but it's not a requirement and it's not a reason, you know, lack of it is not a reason for a student to be denied admission. Sure. At, at a Catholic college. Although some students in their high schools, if they're attending sometimes public, sometimes Catholic high schools, they might actually have community service requirements to graduate their high schools. Right. I can't say that that's a requirement to apply, but certainly there's a value. And, and at Catholic colleges, there is a real commitment to service. And so at many Catholic colleges, you will see that there is a, a service component. There might be a whole department 
of, you know, outreach and service, and it might be service in the community right outside where the college is located, as well as further reaching communities. They might have mission trips that students can apply for and and participate in, uh, service trips that might involve anything from, you know, helping to build structures and homes to uh, helping with education, helping with agriculture, helping with cleanup after uh, natural disasters, things like that. And certainly students who who have that desire to help uh, very often do gravitate to schools that have these sorts of programs. And and very often they're Catholic colleges that have them. Right. And I guess um, that leads me to my next question, which is, you know, how do you decide if these schools might be a fit for you? It, It isn't as has already been discussed, right? It's not about, well, I'm Catholic, so I'm going to apply to Catholic schools. Maybe you feel that way. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm Catholic. I'm probably more of a lapsed Catholic than an active practicing Catholic. And I, for me, I don't know, there was something that it wasn't super exciting to me about the Catholic schools that I was thinking about, but I don't think it really had anything to do with the fact that they were Catholic. I think it was just, I don't know, they didn't capture my attention. But, um, from your perspective, especially given that you've worked with a lot of students looking at Catholic schools, what, um, you know, how do you talk to them about deciding if this environment is a good fit for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And so I, I was kind of like you, though, when I was looking at colleges, I, I don't think that was something I valued for myself, even though mm-hmm. a few of the colleges I applied to were Catholic. It wasn't something I was seeking at that time in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I think about it in my own family. I, I shepherded my youngest sister through the college process and because I was already working on the college admissions side when she was <laughs> applying to colleges. And I took her on some tours and some of them were Catholic schools. And she was so opposed to the rel- religiosity Mm -hmm. of it, that any feeling that she got on a campus that it was overly religious would be a turnoff to her. So when we were on one campus, and I won't mention the name, but one of the first things the tour guide said was, we have this many chapels on campus Mm. and started talking about, you know, prayer groups and things. And right away, she turned to me and she said, get me out of here. (laughs) That wasn't her. That wasn't (laughs) her her. thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Right. So that wasn't for her. But other students I could see on the tour were excited about this and they yep. liked this. And so it's, it's, it's right. Some things are right for some people. Now I can't say that every Catholic college has that bent. This was, is a little bit more heavy on that than some others that we visited and some others that I know of. And so when I talk to students about it, I do ask them about, you know, how big of a role do they want religion to play in their lives? And, and, you know, some Catholic colleges might be more for them because they have more of a focus on the religion throughout the whole educational process. And some might be better for students who don't really need it to be a big part of their day, that they're okay with it being on the campus, but they don't want it to be the focus of their existence. And I think one of the clues that a lot of students might turn to is the essay questions, supplemental essay questions, because some of them do kind of give you that sense that, okay, this seems to be a priority for this institution. They're asking me about my views on, you know, I'll take Villanova as an example I would use, even though there tends to be somewhat of a secular field, there still is a value to their Augustinian roots. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Augustine, you know, it's based on Saint, the, the, the teachings of St. Augustine. And so there is a, an essay, supplemental essay question that students can choose. They're not forced to do that question, but it does ask about uh, St. Augustine and some themes in his book called Confessions and, and how they kind of resonate with the student and, and how they, what they mean to them. And, and, you know, that to me is a kind of a clue that that's still important enough to them that they're including it in their supplemental questions. Right. Um, Boston College also asks a question about the Jesuit perspective too. And so same thing, it, you would think that, okay, if it's valuable enough for them to ask this question, even though it's not a required question, you know, there mm-hmm. could be something to that. Right. That they're they're looking to see, have you investigated this at the very least? And are you on board with this idea, right? And um, I think that's great advice is to go to, now you don't always know what the, the essay question will be that year, but you can look at what it was the previous year and see um, if there's anything about that that is sort of like attractive to you or, hmm, I don't know what I think about that. And I would have to do a lot of research to think about that. And so maybe this isn't um, the best fit for me. And, right. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, I would say, say, 
I say this to students all the time, think about the fact that this is going to be your, your home and your world for the years of your life, right? Mm-hmm. If you're living on campus, this is you're going to be your every day. So where's your comfort zone here? And, you know, what, what are you willing to, what do you want? What are you willing to have? You know, will it bother you or will it just be something that's there and you're okay with it? Right. You know, and, and get the feel for that. And I think sometimes it's hard to know that until you make a visit, which as we know in, in the, yes. <laughs> the pandemic era, isn't always possible. Um, so, so at least do the virtual tours and do as much due diligence, talking to as many people as you can, getting the best sense you can of what that campus environment is like. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think you raise all excellent points just about, um, you know, the kinds of things that they're they're focusing on on the tour, the kinds of things that they are highlighting as part of their uh, both academic and extracurricular approach and understanding where that dovetails. It's really a lot like what you would do with any school. Um, but in this situation, these are probably, in my mind, the foremost uh, religious institutions, with along with a handful of sort of very Jewish-focused institutions where they really are known as religious institutions, and yet, in many cases, many of them are sort of very broadly um, welcome, welcoming students of all of all faiths to campus. So, um, Lisa, I appreciate you joining me today and and sharing your insight into the Catholic College uh, piece. Thank Thanks you very for much. Having me, you bet. Good to talk uh, to you, Beth. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Same okay. to you. All right. We are going to take a very quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about Catholic schools from the financial perspective. So, don't go away. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. College admissions can be stressful, but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts, who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions, offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back, everyone, to Getting In, a college coach conversation. Um, in our previous segment, we were talking about Catholic colleges from uh, admissions. Is this the right place for me? And in the, today's this segment, um, I'm excited to welcome Zach Grease. And Zach, I meant to ask you before we went on on uh, live. Grease? Sure. I got it right? Yes, Grease. Uh, all right. You Grease. got it. All right. Um, And Zach is the financial aid director at Loris College, which is in Dubuque, Iowa. Fun fact, my grandparents, when I was growing up, lived in Maquoketa. And we, which is right, not very far from Dubuque. Mm -hmm. And we went, well, we went on vacation a few times to watch, we went to watch the locks open and close, which is like a big thing there, I guess. Um, Great. And my, my ex-husband, Still a good guy, even if he's my ex-husband, actually went to Loris College for a year. So he did. He did. I actually know Loris College. Oh, but... that is great. <laughs> but tell me, Loris College, really quickly for our listeners. Yes, yes. So we're a liberal arts college, Catholic liberal arts college, and we're located in Dubuque. Um, and for those of you who appreciate the geography perspective, um, if you look at where Illinois, Iowa, and Wisconsin come together, we are just over 
each of those lines on the Iowa side. So where Iowa's oldest city, a lot of history, a lot of character, um, and the city has really done an awesome job redeveloping over the past two decades or so. So just a really cool place. That is really cool. And my yeah. grandparents did a terrible job of introducing me to Dubuque because I knew none of that. And admittedly, oh, I was 10 the last time I was there. So um, a while back. So Loris is also, right, I think you mentioned it, it's a Catholic school. Um, Correct. And so my first question for you is, um, is there an advantage to kind of the way that Loris or Catholic schools in general that you see when it comes to providing financial aid packages to students? Yes, awesome question. Um, I do think that whatever the motive, whether it's, you know, the, the Catholic faith or the, the sort of extra compassion, you know, that maybe comes from this Catholic rooted identity. Um, we try to be really cautious uh, about loans when we're presenting offers mm-hmm. uh, to the extent that we don't want to simplify borrowing so much that it prevents students from pursuing some of the thought based ways to lower their cost or cover their cost. And so I think one of the biggest differences that I've found when I compare Catholic schools or some of the other private schools in Iowa to public schools and and some others is that we specifically don't package what most of your list, most of the listeners may identify as like third party loans. Mm -hmm. So things like a Sally Mae loan, a a plus loan, a grad plus loan, um, those are loans you apply for that can be used, but our hope in keeping that off the package is that families have they'll work with us to to try to use all their tools and hopefully avoid those entirely. Which I love. We talk a lot about that on the show, just kind of not borrowing too much, thinking through your options yes. before you borrow, right? Making that kind of a last a last thing that you turn to rather than, oh. Absolutely. And, and I do, I love the idea that it's not a part of the package because somehow when it's part of the package, then it becomes, a, okay, and now we have to get this parent plus loan, right? That's, I guess that's yep. what you do. So that's, that's the next step. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. How do you avoid it? You know, I, I'm sure a lot of schools would l- possibly like to avoid it. I'm, I, I don't think there's really yes. anyone out there whose goal is to put people massively in debt, but there are plenty of schools right. that certainly do approach it this way. How do you guys avoid doing that? Yes. Good question. So a part of our strategy is that, um, when, when we present offers, we present, uh, we present a merit award and awards based off of the FAFSA, the Free Application for Federal Student Aid. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've also created a number of um, sta- what we would call stackable opportunities. And so those opportunities might be, you know, I heard it mentioned by um, uh, the teammate you had on just a minute ago. Uh, it might be because you identify as a non-Catholic faith. And so mm-hmm. we want to give you a scholarship to try and bring that experience into the college. Mm-hmm. It might be because you really value the Catholic faith and want to immerse yourself further. Maybe there's a scholarship for that. So we really try to make sure that those are a part of the next piece of the conversation that helps students, number one, find something they're passionate about mm-hmm. once they get here. But number two, have scholarship dollars to to tackle that cost question. Um, and so that's that's probably the, the main way we try to leverage those opportunities. Now, those usually end right about now. So for families that are just coming in, it's, you know, we have to be a little more creative, but we do have some ways where even, even then we're still trying to avoid loans and prolong those as much as possible. Got it, right. So in other words, get your stuff in by the deadline so that you have a maximum opportunity to get Mm -hmm. um, the best possible package. Yes. We talk about that too. A lot. You got it. Yep. (laughs) What do, um, so another thing we talk a lot about is negotiating and award reconsiderations. What do those look like at a Catholic institution? Um, Mm -hmm. And do you look at comparable awards? So do you do a whole, oh, this institution has awarded you this package, we might be willing to come into line with that? Or, you know, how much of that is there? Great questions. Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll start back from COVID with a, just a brief history lesson. Sure. Because um, I think, I think for, for the listeners, it will inform some of that perspective that of, of your journeys if you're looking at Catholic colleges. Um, COVID has had 
pretty different impacts on colleges on the budget side. So we, we've seen some sibling colleges say, once we offer financial aid, we can't further engage. Mm-hmm. We've had other schools say, once we offer financial aid, we, we don't want it to be about price or we want to try and make sure we, we're giving you an apples to apples opportunity to pick which school is best. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking at a Catholic college, know that the colleges you're looking at could be in either of those boats. Um, what that looks like for us this year uh, is uh, we, we did create a, we, we tried to create as equitable a system as we could um, to really look at things like, you know, do you have a competing offer from a very close school? Mm-hmm. How big is the price difference? Um, and then some other variables. And we used a point system to try and keep the dollars we were giving equitable. And that motive really came from the CARES grant where we saw families with really large incomes getting mm-hmm. larger dollar awards from the CARES grant, um, which was an expense offset grant last okay. year from the federal government. Um, and so we wanted to try and make sure that if a family had a lower income, they were still able to see the value and the same value in negotiating, you know, if you want to use that word, sure. that a family with higher income may. Um, and so we, we tried to keep it equitable. Um, we've tried to listen and make it work. And I think most, most of the colleges that we're working with often, they've got a similar model in play. Got it. And do you think that being a Catholic college plays into that approach of, you know, more, a little bit more equity, being smarter about those dollars and making sure that they're going as far as they can for as many families as they can? I, I really think so. I think, um, I, I think they're, you know, you, you mentioned it on the last segment, but, you know, you've got the secular side of, of um, the faith and you've got some that identify. But I think in any case, you're going to find a lot of people who have a lot of compassion. They want to help as much as they can when you're looking at Catholic schools. I think that's um, a common trait in the people who choose to work there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do think absolutely, you know, when it comes to trying to help, you're going to find people, you know, if it's an income challenge or a family has got a tough situation they're working through, you know, that we want to listen, want to help. Got it. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I mean, it does seem to fit with uh, the mission, I think, often of of a Catholic institution. What are you seeing, um, you know, in terms of very COVID related, where you have um, families with changes to their financial situation? Because of course, the FAFSA is prior, prior year in 2019. Who knew of COVID? This was... Nothing we were thinking about. It was a great year. Um, it was a great year in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also great years before a very big birthday of mine. So it feels, you know, oh. life was a lot, you know, brighter. <laughs> Maybe it was the pandemic. I don't know. But yeah. um, are you seeing an increase in requests for families explaining how their financial situation has changed and um, and how are you handling that? Great question. And, and I think you touch on a, a, a nice, subtle difference. You know, some, sometimes um, you, you as a family may have a motive of what might be under the negotiation bucket where you're saying we've got a couple competing offers and we want to try to minimize the price difference so, so we can just choose what we like best and not have that secondary concern. Um, and then you also have the appeals-driven way of trying to seek more help. And, and that is really what you just summarized really well. Um, and that comes from situations where uh, it might be a plea of some kind. Hey, we had um, we lost work for six months because uh, one of our one of the parents couldn't could work. They were inside. They had pre-existing conditions and they couldn't be exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have all that income that's lost. Is there is there more help we can get? Um, we've seen those increase a lot. Yeah. Um, so, for example. Two years ago, I'm going to skip last because that was, you know, right about now was when the pandemic was hitting. But two years ago, we had about 20 what we would call appeals at this time in the cycle for our mm-hmm. incoming first year students. Um, this year, we're up to about 50. Wow. And and wow. Our, our numbers are right about the same. Yeah. So so you can tell families are really struggling with a lot more in terms of medical expenses, um, uh, income changes. And so I, I encourage families to be really open with schools if, if that's on your mind at all, just to share it candidly and, and know that um, schools will want to be listening for that type of thing. Yeah, I mean, we can't say it enough. It never hurts to ask. 
Um, you're not, they're not going to rescind your offer over asking. And, um, if you have extenuating circumstances, it ultimately may be deemed that it's not quite enough to change things, but you'll never know unless you ask. And, um, there's a likelihood that they will be deemed enough. And so I think that's really, really an important point for our listeners, um, to think about. Um, so as we get closer to May 1st, which is when students are going to be making their final decisions. Um, what are some of the most common questions you're getting asked by these students who are considering um, you guys and, and any topics that particularly are coming up in the financial aid process? Yes, great questions. Um, one that we are hearing quite a bit now is um, related to the, the second version of the CARES grant, the CARES grant came about in you know March or April last year. The second one passed late in December, and that gave colleges another piece of um, money that they were charged to distribute to students to try and help. Um, think of it a student stimulus, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've got some families that are coming in in the fall, and they're saying, hey, can we get some of that? Is that, are we eligible? Um, is it accessible? And unfortunately, that money has to go to students who are currently enrolled. And if there's some left in the future, colleges may be able to use it. But I would say as a family who's going through this journey now, you're probably not going to see it on award letters too much. Um, Colleges can't make it conditional upon enrolling. You know, Mm -hmm. they can't use that as sort of an incentive. So um, so so we've tried to help families understand that. And I just share that as as context if you're wondering. the third version of the CARES grant was passed uh, recently, and, and we are, colleges in general, are getting more money to distribute in some way. We haven't gotten as many details about that yet, though. So if your student does enroll in the fall, you may be eligible at that point in time, but, but I wouldn't be counting on that in your mindset now as far as a financial plan because there's just a lot of uncertainty. Got it. Got it. So that's one question we're hearing quite a bit. Um, okay. What the, the other one I'll, I'll throw out there. Did you, did you have another one? No, I was curious. I knew there was one other and I was going to prompt you to share that one with us. Great. Yeah. The, the other one we've heard quite a bit is um, related to is it student loan forgiveness. Um, and so, you know, families have been asking, well, should we be borrowing if, if the students loan student loans will be forgiven? And you may find colleges and financial aid offices or admission offices, depending on who you're working with, um, they may share some helpful context, but there's, there's a lot of unknown with that as well. Um, and so it's, it's hard to make a, a really secure plan. I think for families who are more risk tolerant, um, have seen some families submit a FAFSA and borrow, even though they wouldn't have otherwise, just based off the conversations they're having with us. Um, that there isn't any interest accumulating until the loan disperses at the earliest. So um, that's not going to be till fall. So if you're coming into college for the first time and, and you haven't borrowed yet and the loan forgiveness comes out, who knows if, if you'll be eligible, but there's just a lot of unknown with, with that in general. So it's hard to plan on, but, um, but we've gotten that question a few times too. Right. So hopefully that thinking helps out a little bit. Right. Hence the challenge with the whole idea of student loan forgiveness, right? Because doing that is not what loan forgiveness is meant to do. You know, it's not meant to repay loans for families who didn't need to take loans in the first place. It is meant to help those who are struggling to repay their loans. So exactly. Yeah. This is why, uh, this is why government, it's a tricky thing. Um, (laughs) Zach, anything else that you wanted to share with our listeners um, before we wrap up the segment? You know, not a whole lot. I think the the, sh- the short version of it, just to, to reiterate, is I think um, COVID has sort of opened up this need for colleges to be listening to families. So, um, you know, it, it's nice to hear, Elizabeth, that you're you're advocating this too, because we really are on on our team's end. But but share share your experiences, share what's happened since COVID. Be open with the colleges and view them as a partner. And I think things will work out as best as they can. Yeah, absolutely. Zach, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. All right. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to uh, take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about how you decide amongst all of the options that you have. So don't go away. (music) 
When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. College admissions can be stressful, but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts, who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions, offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. everybody to getting in a college coach conversation. I have been promising all show that we're going to give you some advice on how you choose amongst your options. And at this point, you have them all. It is April 8th when this segment is airing. So I'm here to, to talk with me about this today is my colleague, Julia Jones, who is a former admissions officer at Brandeis University. Hi, Julia. How are you? I'm good. Hi, Beth. How are you? Good. And thank you for joining me today to talk about something that we talk about every year. Although, of course, there's, as always, right, a unique (laughs) twist this year to everything. Um, But why don't we start with this? One of the questions that I would say we get in all different ways, we get emails, we have phone calls, we have, well, we used to have face-to-face conversations, but it is the same, which is, how do I choose the best of these options that I have? Which one is the best? Might be my least favorite question because it implies that I have any concept of what that means to you. So talk to me about what you immediately go to when someone asks you about the best. Right. Well, yeah, and, and it is true. It's it's a hard question. Um, and it's it's really one that that the only person who can answer that really is the student. So, yeah, I mean, and I think it's, so it's, it's first, you have to really define what is, what does best mean for you? Um, I think so often, and I hear that even before we talk, you know, talk about acceptances, we, you know, it's like, what's the best college for computer science? What's the best college for business? And there is no such thing. It's really, what's the best college for you? And you have to define it. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's going to be different for everyone. You know, what was the best fit college for me was I'm sure, you know, totally different than it was for you than Mm -hmm. it was for my brother or for, you know, so, so I think that's it. You have to really think about like, what are, what are those criteria? Um, You know, and that, you know, they may be different. Your criteria might be different now than it was when you put in your application, especially in this year when so much has changed. Um, So I think you have to take a step back and say, okay, what, what was important to me that made me want to apply to these schools? And now what is it that I'm looking for? Has my, my potential major changed? Has my desire to go far away? Has that changed? Or maybe that's increased because you want to, you know, really get out there and see the world um, after a year of being close to home. So, so I think it's, it's thinking about, you know, do you want research? Do you want to be, do you want a great sports scene? Do you want, you know, all of those things that, that are going to put together your drivers, the things that no matter what they are, are, are the reasons why, you know, one school is going to be better, quote unquote, than another. Right. And I think this, um, there are a few things at play here, right? Some people didn't think a whole lot about who went on their at college list. And now, now you have to do that research. I would have argued that you should have done it before, but if you didn't, now you have to. I also like your point about what's changed. You know, have you adjusted Maybe you your major is the same, but maybe the environment you thought you wanted to be in now is different. And maybe when you started this process, you only wanted to go far from home. And maybe this was kind of a rough year and 
you actually feel like you want to be close to home or the reverse. Um, I think another thing that I see happen too is that people have in their heads an idea of which one is the best, um, but maybe you didn't get accepted to your program of choice. You got accepted to an alternate major. Now are you, I would suggest that you sort of separate the institution from what you're going to study there and that what you're going to study is more important than the institution. And so, you know, if you got into your top choice major at two schools and there's a third that accepted you that you really like, but you didn't get into it there, to me, that third school should be out of the mix because the whole purpose of going to college is to study this thing that you want to study. And uh, if you already know what that is, why would you go to the school where they're telling you you can't do it there? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And and even at, you know, the two schools where you did get into that major, you know, majors are different at different colleges. Yes. So, you know, now's the time even, if, you know, so if you maybe in putting your list together to apply to was maybe looking at it in a little bit more big picture, kind of broader way. Now's the time to get granular. Now's the time to really dive in there and start to you know, look at what, what's, what is the computer science major looking like at this college? What is, you know, what are the courses that I'll be taking? Are there tracks or concentrations that really sound interesting to me, you know, compared to, to this one? I think that's where you can really start to dive in and, and get, get into the, into the weeds a little bit, because now's the time to do that. Right, right. I mean, an example I would give is a student who I worked with a few years ago, applied as a psychology major to all the schools on his list, Um, which is a pretty broad major. But by the time he was at this point in his senior year, he'd actually taken this really cool course um, that was focused on abnormal psychology. And he thought that was really cool. It was actually a section of a course, but he'd done all this additional reading because he thought it was so cool. And so one thing that he was able to do is go and look at what are the abnormal psych offerings at each of the schools that admitted me and found, in fact, that of the five schools he was accepted to, three of them really didn't have a whole lot on that. They were more focused in other directions, but two had really good programs in that area. Um, So, right, looking at the coursework that's available, looking at what your professors specialize in. If the professor doesn't, if there's no professors doing research in abnormal psych, and they have an abnormal site class, if that's your interest, this is not the school for you, right? Exactly. Yeah. Where do you, where, from your perspective, that research, where do you go for, to find out more and to, to get those details? Sure. I mean, I, I think I always start with the source, start at the college website, you know, almost everything on a college website um, is available for you to look at. So, you know, you don't have to, you can start with admissions and that's probably where you started when you were doing your initial research, but now go to the department website, go to the websites for the student clubs and organizations and and all of that. I think that's, that's a great way to, you, you're, you'd be surprised at how much more you can find. Um, you can usually download the, the course catalog if that really, if right. you really want to get into it. So, um, you know, that's the beauty of things is that everything's online and it's really, it's not generally passport, password protected. It's, I mean, I think what's, what's there for students is usually there for, for everybody. So right. yeah. exactly, exactly. I think, um, you know, I, I, one other piece of advice that I have that we haven't really touched on um, is if you know for sure, if you get five acceptances and you know right off the top of your head, okay, these two, I'm not going to accept those offers. This isn't really around choosing, but I would say, please, please let those schools go. Um, we're not talking about wait lists today, but there are so many students sitting on wait lists hoping for the best. Um if you let those schools go, they will know sooner than later if they are going to go to their wait lists. And it's a kind thing to do. And couldn't we all use a little more kindness in our lives right now? Absolutely. So just yeah. an aside. Um, so at this point, right, normally we would say, okay, and you've narrowed it down. You have five acceptances. You've already told two schools, I'm not coming. You've got three left. What's the next step? You, you visit. <laughs> 
<laughs> you visit or you, you know, visit virtually if you can't visit in person, but yeah. And you've, and I think, and even if you've already visited, um, some students are like, well, I already went there. I already saw it. And I, you know, I would venture, I, I would push back and say, look, your, your visits now and your research now is again, different than when it was when you were just trying to decide about applying. So, um, this is your chance. Most schools, if they're having any on-campus events, um, you know, there are open house programs that are designed specifically for accepted students. So, mm-hmm. you know, when we did open house events at Brandeis, it was, it was a whole day affair, right? Huge. It was, you know, panels and, you know, professors there to talk to you and, and, uh, you know, everything that you could possibly experience in a day on a campus. So, um, so take advantage of that. It's, it's, this is the chance to do that. And even I would say that without being able to do it on campus, Colleges are, they're getting creative with what they can do virtually. So they'll be, you know, they can do panels and, and open house programs online. They can, um, you know, here to real, they're, they're rolling out the red carpet for you. And so right. that's, it's gotta be, a, it's a nice feeling to, you know, sit back and say, okay, the tables have turned. Yes. Now it's my turn um, to, to really be, you know, questioning them and, and shopping for them. So it's, it's, you know, really take advantage of that. They are there to, to help, help you make your decision. Yeah. And I think that last year, a lot of schools, I'm sure all of them basically kind of got flat caught flat footed sort of, as you said, at Penn, the Penn preview days were a huge thing. Everybody was on campus, professors, student groups, all of the admission staff. We had a schedule for every day. We were welcoming families, huge groups of families pretty much every day. Um, last year, nobody knew what the heck was going on. They were not equipped to do these online. That was rough for last year's class. It's really rough for this year's class because at most schools still, it certainly feels like it anyway. They're not welcoming students to campus right now. But what they are able to do, because they've had a lot of months to get ready for this, is plan really involved um, welcome events. And those are the ones you really should be, as you mentioned, those are the ones to go to. You don't really want to do a run of the mill info session and tour. You are past that now, right? Now is the time to really dig into, is this where I'm going to be for the next four years? And schools have set up an incredible array of ways for you to connect with them in order to determine if, you know, if it is really the right fit for you. Exactly. Exactly. What other, what other advice do you have for students trying to choose uh, amongst their options? Well, I mean, I think I am, I am still, and I'm old school, but I am a fan of the, the old fashioned kind of pro con list, right? If you're really struggling, sometimes it is helpful to just sit down and see it on paper or see it on a screen, black and white, you know, what are the, the things that really, and, and, and really add everything, you know, what are the positives and negatives, even if they're minor, sometimes kind of adding it up can make a difference. Um, and I, and use admissions, you know, not just for visiting for these open house events, but, you know, if you want to talk to a professor in a department, you can do that. If you want to, you know, if you want to talk to a student to find out what, what campus life is really like, or what, uh, you know, the, the sports scene is really like, or the art scene, you can do that. Start with admissions. They are again, prepared to, to do whatever they can to, to set you up with somebody that you can kind of have a zoom call with or an in-person call or in-person visit if, if possible. But, if nothing else, it, it allows you to to really ask the questions that you have and ask the same questions of, you know, of each school that you're trying to determine, um, you know, which which one to attend. Right. And and um, to your point earlier, the tables really have turned at this point. It really is. They are rolling out the red carpet for you. Once they've admitted you, they really want you to come. That is their entire focus for the next basically month is getting you to commit to them by May 1st. So they're there to answer your questions. They're there to do all of those things. So take advantage of that. Um, the other, I love the pro-con list. I've had some funny experiences with students in pro-con lists. We say add everything. Well, I've had kids add just about everything to a pro-con sure. list and been like, okay, well, I'm not sure I needed to know that was a pro for you, but okay. You've identified it as such, and you've identified the college where that's a possibility. Um, The other thing that I've had students do is if they're really struggling to choose among one or two or maybe even three is plan a week where on the first day you wake up and you pretend as if you have 
said yes to school A and you spend your whole day like, okay, I'm going to school A and, and see how you feel that day, you know, sort of keep a little journal about I'm, I'm excited or wow, I'm not feeling great about this or I don't know, it feels like it's not, I'm not as excited as I should be. And then you do the same thing with school B the next day and then if necessary with school C the day after that. And interestingly enough, that actually has helped some of my students kind of say, huh, I really felt the best on this day. And I'm just thinking that my gut is saying this is the best option for me. I like that. It's like an extended version of the old, you know, flip a coin. And then before you decide, OK, what, what do you want it to be or what do you are you happy with, you know, with what it is? Right. right. So, yeah, it's that that uh, um, just a little bit longer version of that. But you're right. It does make a difference because so much of this when it comes down to at this point is is partly, yeah. What does your gut tell you? You know, right. what are you, what are you really thinking about? Um, you know, and, and know that also you're, again, there are no bad choices. Here. Yes. So Good point. I, I do think that that, you know, you've been, you've, you've, uh, hopefully you've put your list together in a, in a good way. And so you've got, you know, the schools that you applied to are all there for the right, for a reason. So, and, and the schools have accepted you because they know, Hey, you'd be a great fit for us. So now it's just a question of, okay, which is, you're never going to find the perfect anything. And I think that's right. a good, a good, uh, you know, advice for a lot of things in life. So it's, you know, again, no, no job, no, um, you know, college, no person is perfect. So it's just, okay, what's going to be the place where, you know, again, you're going to have, um, that meet that checks enough of the boxes for you, um, that you're going to have a good experience. Exactly. And I would make a plea again for doing this research early in the process and not just putting a school on your list just because. Well, I didn't, I have students doing research right now and I have one say to me, you know, he researched four schools. He really liked um, two of them and he was very ambivalent about the other two. And so I said, okay, so we're going to put these two on the list and this one. And he said, well, I'm not really ready to let go of that other one yet. And it's just, if you're ambivalent, it's time. Julia, thank you so much for um, joining the call today. I appreciate it. And I think you had some great uh, tips for our audience. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right. Very quickly, we are back uh, next week. Uh, As we always are, Sally is going to be hosting. We're going to be talking about um, prepping to apply as a business major. So if you're in high school and you know you want to be a business major in college, we have some advice for you. We're also going to be answering your questions. So if you have them, send them to us on Facebook, on Instagram. You can email them to us, gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. And don't forget, we're here every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and the team of experts at Bright Horizons College Coach. Join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.